Hello and welcome to the Adrian Bow podcast, the interview series, where we take a deep dive into some of the most influential minds in real estate. Today, we're joined by the fabulous Lisa Novak. Lisa, thanks so much for coming on to the show. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. It's just always great to catch up, isn't it? It is. Couldn't agree more. We've known each other for how many years now? A really long time. We were just trying to work that out, but it's a really long time. (laughs) Because you were saying previously you were an Eastern Suburbs girl who then became a Northern Beaches agent. Yeah. I actually think I recall when you were in, was it the beauty business? previously we had a college of yes. natural health and beauty that's my right. family did yes. many moons ago that's many when ago. i initially yeah. met you it was i think yourself and your yeah. mother and we were doing i think you know when i was back in the mcgrath days we were maybe looking at uh, buying leasing or renting something yeah. in those days yeah. yes many yeah. moons ago long many time moons ago. long time ago wow we're yeah. showing our age yeah, that's <laughs> <right>. <laughs> well you are yes yes <laughs> So how long in the real estate industry altogether and then how long in sales? Yeah. So I have been really behind the scenes of our business, Novak Properties, for 20 years. Yes. Um, I was always working in more of an admin-based role, then moved into marketing, then moved into a general manager role. Yes. Um, But I'd always wanted to be in real estate sales, Adrian, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, I decided that at the grand old age of 46... I was going to take the plunge headfirst into sales, so five years ago. And Novak Property is a family business with Mark and yourself. Correct. And that's been going for 20 years. It has, yeah, just over 20 years now, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And the roles that you had within that business, Mm. did you ever think at that time, whether it was operations, general manager, admin or whatever, did you ever think that it would lead into sales or was it just at that most recent time at at that age that you mentioned that you made the transition? I always wanted it to be sales. Did you? You know, it was just my family. Mm. So the kids and the business just needed me elsewhere. Right. But always I had wanted to be in sales. And honestly, I got to the age of 46 and thought it's just got to be now or never. You know, I'm getting too old. I need energy (laughs) to be able to do this. And I wanted to, you know, I wanted to cut ground quick. Because yes. I was 46 and I had some big uh, dreams and aspirations. Fantastic. Yeah. So what core market did you choose to specialise in? Obviously where the office is located in the Northern Beaches there, yeah. but specifically. I didn't. Mm. Um, I just knew that whatever I was going to do, if I was going to sacrifice so much, yes. um, you know, not being at home as much and um, time away from family and friends, that I just wanted to be number one. And how I got there or how I was going to go get there, I didn't know. Um, but I really didn't have my focus on any particular area. Obviously, it was going to be northern beaches, mm. um, but we don't work in farming areas. So I was just like, you know, I'm happy to list and sell anything. And the first few listings and in terms of where your business has evolved to now, has it changed much geographically? What, what areas have they included? It has. Um, so when, when I first started out in sales, I had no listings and, um, we'll get into the social media thing. I'm sure at some stage during, during our talk, um, but I kind of fell into the whole social media thing. But what I did discover was there was a lot of expired listings on the market Mm. and, um, I would just scour realestate.com and our website 
and just I decided that I was just going to, you know, write expired listing cards and mm. deliver them out to all these properties that were on the market. Mm. We've always had a really extensive database. Um, so I knew there were buyers somewhere there in our database. And I ended up getting about 23 phone calls wow. as a result of the expired listing cards and listed 12 of them in my first four weeks wow. of being in real estate sales. Were any of yep. those calls from infuriated agents who didn't want you to contact their clients? No. No. No, they weren't. Because, look, they, these prop, to be fair, these properties had been on the market for a really, really long time. Right. Um, and that can happen. I have yes. had those phone calls before. <laughs> yes. Um, but, um, no, they weren't. No. So expired listings was a great source of business for you Absolutely. then, and it still happens to be today. Without a doubt. What do you say be, for that other side of the argument, which is you know, for agents who might feel that, well, you don't want other agents contacting clients that mm. you're representing, for example. I mean, is there is there some rules of engagement in terms of, you know, how long should you wait till it's on the market? And therefore, what's the dialogue that you would use? Obviously, at that time, you wrote cards and got the calls. Yeah. Um, but has that process evolved? And, and what would you say for agents that would be a little bit hesitant because they don't want to get other other agents or clients offside. Look, I think there's a certain timeline in our industry where agents can go stale as well, Adrian, yes. to be fair. Yes. And so if a property's been sitting on the market for more than 90 days, mm -hmm. I think we can comfortably say an agent has probably just at their wits end as to what they can do. Yeah. Um, it's important to, you know, you don't want to step on the toes of other agents. That's mm. definitely not my way. Mm. But it's also, it's it, you know, is it about the client or is it about the agent? Because mm. at the end of the day, our job is to get properties sold. Mm. And often just, you know, speaking to the vendors about... Um, you know, what went wrong with their campaign or do you feel that there was something that could have been improved upon? What was it? Was it the price? Was it the product? Was it the way the property was marketed? Mm. Um, you know, listening to what those vendors' needs are. Often these vendors need a lifeline thrown at them. Um, but again, as I said, you know, I'm not here to step on any agent's toes. Mm. But what I do notice with a lot of the expired listings is that often there'll be no inspection time. Often the marketing hasn't been changed maybe throughout the entire duration of a campaign. Yeah. Often there hasn't been a um, meet the market price because maybe agents have been too scared to have the conversations with those agents. And then when I come face to face with these vendors that have had their properties on the market for too long, um, often, as I said, it's just they just want the honesty. Yeah. And I'll yes. come in and I'll say to those vendors, guys, I truly think your property is overpriced. Yes. This is where I feel it sits in the current market. Mm -hmm. We need to redo all of that marketing and I'm happy to pay for that. Mm -hmm. um, and any other, you know, get, let's get some open times and let's get some fresh blood through this property. Mm -hmm. just, just on that, I actually just sold a property in the eastern suburbs. Yes. It's an area where I'm from, but yes. it's not an area that I transact in. Yes. Um, I had a great agent who reached out to me they were at their wits end. This property had been on the market for over 400 days. Mm -hmm. And um, I came along and did a conjunction with that agent mm -hmm. and uh, got it sold in 25 days. Amazing. And was there a dramatic change in price or, or just a, a minimal change in price? Minimal. Minimal. Yeah, minimal. So apart from fresh energy and a fresh approach and 
potentially new marketing, which is, I assume, mm. what we did. Was there any other secret sauce involved? Social media. Right. It's huge. It's yes. huge. You know, everyone knows me for all the pre-market stuff mm-hmm. that I do with my social media, but a lot of it, um, a lot of the social media that I do is also for the post-market. Right. I call it the post-market clean-up. Yes. So properties that have been on the market for too long. Yes. Um, and getting them out to a whole new source of eyeballs that maybe haven't seen it before. Excellent. Yeah, I'll definitely talk to you about the social media sure. stuff. So yeah. in terms of the current business as it is at the moment, so do you have an immediate team yourself? I do. Yeah, yeah, and yeah what's I do that have consist a team. Of? So I've got Michael who works alongside me. Right. Michael works like my built-in buyer's agent. Yes. Um, so deals with a lot of my buyers. I look after all my properties, all my vendors and the high-end negotiations. Yes. And then I've got two assistants as well. I've got a senior assistant and a junior assistant, and those guys just do everything, you know. So mainly admin marketing. Correct. Not so much face-to-face client work, those two assistants. That's right, yeah. So that's an interesting model because you talk to so many different agents about what the perfect EBU is or what the perfect team looks like, and some have, you know, one sales associate, one Mm -hmm. admin or business manager. Um, Sounds like you've got sort of two business managers and then one sales associate, and that sales associate is mainly dealing with buyers. You're mainly dealing with the vendors. Correct. But obviously is also helping out at open for inspections yep. as well. And the great thing about the model mm. is that everyone has their lane. Yes. There's no crossover whatsoever. There's no like, oh, I thought you were doing it. No, I thought you were doing it. Yeah. Everyone has got their definitive roles and it works really, really well. And at what point did you put on your first person? Because it's been a few years now since you've been doing yeah. sales, five or six years, I believe. Mm, mm. Um, so at what point did you put on your first one and what did that role look like? Because that so, helps a lot of people because there's a lot of agents who are not at that point yet and feel that they've got to achieve certain metrics, certain number of sales. 100%. Yeah, or, or, or maybe it's just the time in their life. But what was it for you that triggered the first team member? It was it was about 12 weeks in. So right. it was very, very soon. Yeah. Because I didn't envisage that I was going to list as much property as I did. Mm. Now, this is every agent's dream. Yes. But for me, yes. it was, you know, I, I didn't have a gauge, which is crazy because I had always worked in the background of our business. Mm. But, you know, I had never been the junior salesperson. Mm. And so coming into sales older... Um, coming into sales with a good realm of background knowledge, you know, enabled me to be able to list as many properties as I did. As I said, 12 properties in the first four weeks. Yes. And I'd had a conversation with a girlfriend of mine one night. We were out at dinner. She's in in sales in the East. Yes. And I said to her, I've got all these listings, 12 of them. Mm. And she's like, what? You've been in sales for how long? Mm-hmm. And she said, you need to get an assistant. And um, and so I did. And I have to say, it changed my life. Yes. It really did. Yeah. And it evolved from there. So I assume the role for that first assistant was could, could have been a hybrid role, which is a bit of admin, a bit of sales support. Yeah, exactly. And in order to get to the point where you are today with three team members and, as you said, with clearly defined swim lanes, that's ideal. Like, everyone wants to get to that point. Yeah. Did you make some mistakes along the way in terms of team members, roles, the wrong people, or potentially you didn't direct them the right way? Was there some mistakes along the way? There always is. Yes. There, and there has to be, Adrian, yeah. to be fair, because it's how we learn. Yes. And it sounds so cliche, but it's true. Yes. Um, and at the time, you just think that it, you're never going to be able to just get back on track again. Yes. You feel like you're never going to be able to make it right. But it, 
ends up being a blessing in disguise. Yes. And so, yes, there have been mistakes along the way. I've been very fortunate with my team, I have to say. Mm. Um, Michael and I have worked together for six years, pretty much the whole time that I've been in real estate sales um, and kind of fell into that by default. Yes. But, and I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit later on, but I mm. do list, you know, volumes. Yes. And so it can be tricky at times trying to deal with the buyer and the vendor and mm. list and mm. sell and do your social media. Yes. I only have as many hours in the day as every other person does. Absolutely. So um, yep. very early on, again, I realised that if I can have someone that can deal with the buyer side of things, that frees me up even more to be able to do the things that I believe I'm good at and I love. I yes. think that's very important. Yeah, so we talk about being on purpose and making sure that you enjoy doing what you're doing. There's certain parts of the industry that that you have to tolerate at points. You know, no one yeah. wants to have, you know, an owner who's not happy or no one wants to have buyers who are disappointed because they miss out or whatever, but that's part of the industry, especially if you're doing volume it is. yourself. Yeah. Um, and you talk about in focusing on the activities you enjoy. So I'm assuming that means listing property. I'm assuming that means negotiations. And, and I assume it means, you know, monitoring and controlling your social media as well. And, and, and showing buyers and dealing yep. with buyers, as well as Michael, obviously, who's, who's yep. helping you. Is that, is that what you mean by enjoying what you're doing? 100%. Yep. Every day I get up and I ask myself, do I love what I do? Yeah. Every day. And so when the answer is no, mm. I will stop doing it. You've got to make sure you love what you do because mm. you'll be good at it. Yes. You know, you'll be mm. good at it. And I'm always asking my team, are you happy with what you guys are doing? Mm. We have meetings every single morning. Mm. Um, that's really important because, you know, then they'll do their best. Yes. They'll do their best. And, you know, I'll get the best out of them as well. And with your typical day in terms of listings and appraisals and negotiations, etc., how many on average face-to-face -face meetings would you have per day, regardless of what it is? Because they're obviously all dollar productive. All face-to-face -face meetings, you're having a dollar productive. How many would you average per day, whether it's a listing appointment or, or submitting an offer or vendor update or a qualified buyer appointment? So face-to-face, -face, I mean, funnily enough, I don't do a huge amount of face-to-face. Um, but in terms of appraisals and meetings, yes. I would be having on average five a day. Um, on average, in terms of appraisals, I'm doing about three to five a day. Right. So there's, you know, I'm doing a huge amount of appraisals there. Um, I don't love to do two touches either. I love to yes. take pricing with me. Yes. These days, you have a very short attention span, I find, with people. Mm. And so the two touch, I find for me, um, doesn't work as effectively. Okay, so when you say three, so three to five per day, okay, mm -hmm. and they're all highly dollar productive activities. Without a doubt, um, yeah. But when you said not all are face-to-face, -face, does that mean you're doing sort of appraisals over the phone with people? Or? Yep, yep, over the phone, absolutely. Right. So I will go through a property. I mean, you know, we're in an area, so our office is based in DY. Yes. Some of the appraisals that I'm doing have got tenants in there. So I'm not meeting a vendor or a vendor's out of area. Mm -hmm. um, so I will go through the property and then I will send off the appraisal to the vendor and then we'll go through it over the phone. Right. And Convenience. Could, 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 could it sometimes be a Zoom meeting or a FaceTime or it's often just... All of the above. Right. All of the above. Okay. What I've found, it's funny, it's changed. In mm. the very short time that I've yeah. been in sales, I find that people have gotten less and less 
um, sorry, rather more and more efficient with their time. Yes. And people want convenience and speed. Yes. And so it's about adapting as an agent and working out how can I make things convenient and fast for people. I've built a model on it. Absolutely. Yeah. So you talk about a lot of your market being absentee owners, so they're, mm. they're rental properties. Some of them, yeah. Yeah, it would be about, what, 50-50? Would that yeah, be, about 50-50, okay. yeah. So often when you would go and, and appraise a property and then have this phone meeting or Zoom appraisal with the owner, mm-hmm. are you often finding yourself making a recommendation that the tenant should probably leave if they want to get the best price or not always? Not always. No. So we're working in a market, and we have done so over yes. the last few years, that is all over the place. Right. Um, I'm always recommending to my vendors, and look, our job obviously is to get the most amount of money for, for the vendor, um, but I also like to work with certainty. The yes. market has been all over the place. If we've got a tenant and we need to give 90 days notice, let's say, mm-hmm. I don't know what that market looks like for them in three months' time. Mm. So I'll have a good look at what the market's doing at the moment, and if I feel that we can get them the most amount of money with the tenant in there, we will work around that. Okay. There's ways you can work around it. Yeah. You mean if the presentation is not ideal? Correct. Yes. What, what are yeah. some examples there? Virtual furniture, which right. I know the buyers don't love, but okay. you know it's, um, it's a much better way to present a property online. Right. Um, and also you can just sweeten the deal for a tenant. Mm-hmm. It's important that you work closely with those tenants because the more we work together, the easier it'll be for everybody. And I always like to offer up some sort of a rental rebate for a tenant. You know, give them a little bit of money off their rent per week. Yes. And in return, I just need them presenting the property well for me. And do you find that they reciprocate by presenting the property a little bit better anyway? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely, without a doubt. And you know what, you're winning hearts. The tenant's happy I got them a bit of money off their rent. If they present it better, I'm in and out quicker and everyone can just get back to living their life. Has there been some scenarios, though, where you just think the owner doesn't mind waiting, the presentation is is, is, is almost untenable and you've had to have the tenant leave? Without a doubt, yeah. yeah. So you've made those recommendations 100%, as well? Yeah. Okay. 100%. 100%. I just had one a short while ago. Yes. We had difficult tenants. Um, they just moved in, to be fair. And yes. they look, you know... People have got stuff going on in their life that yeah. we can't control. Yes. Um, but yes, without a doubt, my recommendation was, please, let's just leave them. They've got a lot going on mm-hmm. and we'll circle back when uh, when we've got the tenants out of the property. You talked about having a daily meeting with, with your team. Mm. So often it's referred to as a daily direction meeting or a work in progress meeting. Mm. How long does that go for and what's the basic agenda of that? Um, it changes every day. Okay. It always surprises me yeah. how much we have to talk about yes. every day. Yes. But usually it goes for about 15 minutes. Good. Um, because, the, you know, there's always so many things yep. to do past past that meeting time. Yep. Um, 15 minutes, very productive. Yep. So what, very would be, productive. what would be a typical agenda? Uh, for, I know it changes, but yep. what it would changes. be an example? I like to at least once a week spend 30 seconds, 30 seconds mm. going through every single property. Where's it at? Where's the offers? What do we need to change? Yes. Um, so we'll go through all of the stock and I can be carrying 20 plus listings at any one time. Right. Um, so we'll go through all of those quickly. That takes up a, a fair yep. amount of time. Anything that's, you know, going unconditional, settling, the obvious things, you know, yes. photography that needs to be done. What are my appraisals for the day? Where are the appraisals at? Um, absolutely everything. We discuss everything. 
And do your two admin assistants have much interaction with your vendors and buyers Not as well? Not at all. No. no. So you're... You're really focused on the vendor management. Yep. Uh, Michael very much on the buyer work, and the two uh, associates or admin assistants are very much back end marketing administration. Correct. Client services, concierge. They make me look good. <laughs> Terrific. Yeah. And for someone, say in Michael's position, for example, that seems like a really critical role within your team. Super. Um, for a lot of you know, call them co-agents or associates, you know, often they can listen to these type of interviews and think to themselves, well, I'm in that position, but I'd like to maybe be my own standalone agent and maybe build my own team. Mm. But they are very cautious, but they also realise that there's a lot of momentum happening in this team as well. And there's a lot of benefits with staying within a team. So do you endorse Michael a lot in, in, with your clients? So the, oh, market, the market sees him basically as yeah, an yeah. agent. I yeah. mean, it's just internal that whether he's an associate or co-agent, but effectively he's like an agent. Within so Michael's business. everywhere. And yeah. I'm, I'm adamant that Michael's face must appear on signboards and everywhere Excellent. with me. Yeah. It's not, this is not the Lisa Novak show. You know, yes. there is always... It's impossible to do this on your own. It really is. And I'm well aware of that. Um, You know, Michael shadows me if I go away, which doesn't happen very often. But if I do, or if I'm not well, Michael literally, I'll pass the baton and he'll be able to run with everything. We communicate about 50 times a day. Yes. Um, There's a lot of communication that goes on there. But the biggest thing as an agent is listing. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest thing. Um, and so, you know, I guess in fairness, I'm the lister yes. and, you know, things are sort of passed over to, to, to Michael as such and Michael's got to deal with the buyer side of things. Yes. So that's, that's you know, that tends to be the biggest issue. Yeah. Yeah, I see that as a really critical role, you know, mm. within the team and I, and I feel that if, if there's longevity within these teams and you, everyone stays within their lane, I think, I think it can work really well. But I think you nailed it, Lisa, when you said, you know, Michael's on everything, you know. So you're yeah. actually promoting his profile as well because I feel a lot of associates say, look, I want to be my own agent. And they think the reason for that is they're going to earn more money potentially, they're going to get more profile um, and they might be able to learn more. But at the end of the day, that's all very achievable within what we call now EBUs or super teams, whatever you want to call it. it perhaps more so. Perhaps more so achievable. Yeah, yeah. So, so I can see why people would, would stay with, with high-performing agents. And, and, it work, and it does really work well. Um, I think probably the, the biggest issue that other agents might struggle with in a similar scenario yeah. is that maybe the person that shadows the lead agent maybe just isn't seen and heard enough. Yes. That could be a, a you know, that could be an issue. I mean, I'm interested to hear what you might say in the industry as well. Yeah, I do often find that the reason they want to make the transition is not always the reason that they really believe is going to be effective. So what I mean by that is they they feel that, okay, if I break away, I, I, I'm likely to earn more money, earn a, a higher profile within the marketplace, but we, sh- we shouldn't be hindering people from, from obviously progressing. But mm. you know, I think the landscape of real estate's changed a lot. Like when, you know, 
when I first started, there was sales and property management, you know. Yeah. And, and in sales, you had to be a certain age. There was no teams. There was no associates. There was no business managers. You were just an agent. And in property management, there was no new business, no no uh, leasing, no property management section. It was just one section, you yeah, know. Yeah. So I think there's a role for everyone now within these teams. And I would encourage... A, co-agents or associates to stay with lead agents for as long as they possibly can because they can actually earn a very, very, very decent income and have very good profile within the market. So they can actually achieve everything they set out to achieve by being connected very tightly with with a lead agent. I agree with you, Adrian, because I had a great guy um, who was part of my team working as a senior assistant and he wanted to go out on his own. Fabulous. And I love that. You know, I'm never here to stop anyone from doing what they enjoy doing, yes. as I covered before. Um, but it's funny, we were having a conversation the other night and he was saying to me, I never realised how hard it was to get the listings. Mm, mm. You know, because I'm very fortunate. I appraise a lot. I list a lot. Mm. And um, sometimes it can just look like it's just magic. You know, I think sometimes these agents go out on their own and it can be really tricky. Mm. It can Mm. be really tricky. I think that's the one art of real estate which is very difficult to replicate or teach. You know, I mean, I think everything else, whether it's buyer work, whether it's process, whether it's marketing, um, even, even some degree of vendor management, even if they're just helping with vendor reports or whatever, that's a lot easier to, to acquire and to teach. But the art of listing, yeah. it's a very specific skill set, isn't it? I agree. It, and, it really and, is. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, not just the skill, but it's the profile and the marketing budget that you actually need behind you to achieve all of that as well. So Agreed. you're known as the queen of social media. <laughs> So this is not something I'm making up. I've heard it a lot and we've spoken on stage together at a lot of conferences as well. And why do you think you've been labelled that in in real estate and how did it all start? I think it was, um, I think, you know, I was willing to do maybe what others weren't Five years ago. Yes. Social media has changed a lot over the last five years. But mm. five years ago, when I came into sales, I, it, it all started because I had a vendor who had reached out to me. And I'd only been in sales for, you know, six weeks. And um, he needed me to sell his property. He didn't have any money. Um, he was very an un, very unwell man. And um, he was a very proud man too. He wouldn't take any marketing money from me. And I thought, God, my hands are really tied here. What am I going to do? So I decided that I was going to just do a Facebook video. And I remember standing at the front of his apartment on mm. DY Beachfront. And I did this awful video. And I put it onto my Facebook page. And um, I actually was just using it last night. I had to do a big talk over in the UK. Mm. And it made me realise how shocking it actually was. But we've all got to start somewhere. Mm. Anyway, I put it out onto my Facebook page. And then I got a phone call from a real estate agent. Mm. And um, I remember thinking to myself, this is awesome. She must have a buyer. And um, she'd called to say, Lisa, that's the worst video I've ever seen. (laughs) It's so unprofessional, and you may not know this, but we don't real estate that way. I'd stop yourself from being absolutely humiliated, and I'd pull it down. Wow. And I remember looking at it thinking, I can't believe what I've done. I've totally embarrassed myself, and I've totally embarrassed our industry. And I went to rip the video down off my Facebook page, and then I thought to myself, you know what? 
this isn't about me mm. and it's not about the industry. This is about a vendor mm. who needs my help. And so I kept the video up and I ended up selling the property off my Facebook page the next day for a phenomenal result. Wow. And it was at that moment, Adrian, that I thought to myself, you know what, if I can do these awful videos and mm. get them out to social media where there's lots of eyeballs, maybe I can actually list and sell property that way. Yes. And that's kind of how it started. So I started grabbing all the properties that were just sitting on our website mm. um, and that had been on there for a really, really long time. And I started going around filming videos and I ended up selling all of them. Wow. And that was just through Facebook and that was just through posting, not even not even boosting or anything. Not, but I time. didn't even know about boosting. Yeah. I honestly didn't even know what I was doing. Yes. Um, but I knew that I was offering something different. Yes. And even I was surprised at the time as to the sort of traction that I started to get. Yes. But it was something that just really appealed to the public. And I think the reason was because it was coming across, well, it, 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 it was and it is authentic. Yes. It's just me being me selling property. Absolutely. So obviously since the genesis of that social media strategy, it's evolved a lot five years later. So if, if, if you're sitting in front of me and I'm looking to sell my property today, you've obviously got a very organised plan and process, including social media. Tell us what that looks like or what that would sound like if, if you were talking to me about your compelling and comprehensive plan to get my property sold. So there's two marketing options for you. Um, one is plan A and one is plan B. So one is, so plan A is my zero dollar marketing strategy. And this is a really important part because what evolved as a result of my social media was me realizing that there actually was no zero dollar marketing option for mm -hmm. vendors in the industry. The industry says, and still does now to this day, we can do off-market, which kind of evolved over the last five years. Mm -hmm. But off-market really means a real estate agent is going to grab a list of, of buyers off their database and call them. Yes. How long does that realistically get done for? Mm. Right. The other option was, please give me thousands and thousands of dollars of marketing money and I'm going to get you out to realestate.com domain. We're going to do an auction. Mm -hmm. But not every vendor wanted that or wants that. So I came up with the zero dollar marketing strategy. And that is where I can get your property out to my social media channels, out to my database. I pay for professional photos and I pay for a signboard. And that's a wonderful option for vendors that don't really know whether or not they wanna get their property on the market. They just wanna dip their toes in and test the market. Mm -hmm. But the success rate from my pre-market strategy has been enormous. I sell about 70% of my properties that way. Under option A. Under and option then, A. And then, but you still provide option B, which, yep. which is? The usual, the, you know, the, getting, getting your property out to the market. So yes. getting the property out to realestate.com domain. Um, usually at that stage, we're doing an auction. Right. But this is a really important thing, and I do want to point this out. Um, not every vendor wants to, not every vendor is ready to get their property on the market and not every vendor wants to do an auction. Yeah. As agents, we are there to guide them without a doubt. Our job is to work out how we're going to get the most amount of money for our vendors. And I just want to be clear in saying that there has been many a time when I have received an offer 
pre-market under my plan A and I felt we could do better by getting that property out to the market and taking it to auction. Right. As agents, we're there to guide our vendors, but we do need to give them options as well. Yes. So you're saying 70% of your clients, whether it's via your guidance or through their own selection process, Mm -hmm. go with plan A? They do. Right? Yep. And it's still an exclusive agency agreement? Without a doubt. Yeah. Yep. And that would yep. be minimum, I assume, somewhere between 30 to 90 days. Yep. That's 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 obviously, you know, one part of your process. Mm-hmm. Um, so zero investment from them, but you're investing in photos, uh, floor plan and, and wording as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. However, it's not appearing on real estate or domain, neither. But is it appearing on your Novak website? Novak website, social media and the channels. I mean, the, yeah. you know, the, the viewership that we get now is, is substantial. Yes. So out to social media and they're the raw authentic videos that I'm doing. Yes. And they're being launched out as a pre-market or an off-market. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the buyers get to see it first. Yes. They get the opportunity to see and potentially buy it first before we launch it out to realestate.com or domain. And what social media channels with option A... Uh, are we on? Are we on Facebook and Instagram, LinkedIn, or what? Which which one? Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and TikTok. And TikTok as well now. Okay, yeah. has that been more recent? TikTok has been an interesting one. Yes. I'll be honest. Yes. Um, so Insta's probably the one where I get the most amount of viewers on. Mm-hmm. I get the most amount of traction out of my Instagram and my LinkedIn. Um, and I naturally assumed that. TikTok was just going to work really well. The mm. other channels did. Mm. And uh, so I started to do TikTok a couple of months ago. It's mm. taken time. Mm-hmm. It's building traction. But consistency is a really important thing when you're doing social media. Um, you know, I'd been doing my socials for six months and just thought, am I crazy? <laughs> is anyone even watching this stuff? <laughs> yeah. um, before I started to really get traction. And so it's just that consistency on TikTok. It's starting to build now. Right. And with option A... You know, because everyone knows what option B looks like, because that's yep. the traditional form of marketing. Correct. This is this is this is really not that conventional the type of selling yeah. that you're doing. Um, so, I'm just curious. You're getting the photos done, but but what you're putting on socials is more video content, correct? Without yeah. a doubt. And yes. and the photos uh, is more so for your website. And then obviously you've got an email list of, of buyers and you're emailing that out to buyers as well. Exactly. Yeah. So the, the, the brilliant thing about why I do the professional <clears throat> photos mm. is because of exactly what you said. I mm. need something to also be able to email out yes. to my database. Yeah. Or SMS. You, you might or do or SMS. We mm. do, I, I do mass, um, I use Tricall actually, I do mass SMS out. Yeah. So... You know, that's really important. But the other reason is, in the event, Adrian, I need to very quickly switch over to plan B, I have no downtime. Yes. If you remember earlier on, I was talking about speed and convenience. Yes. So what's the quickest way I can get my vendors, if I very quickly need to pivot, Mm. move to plan B, there's no downtime. It's the click of a button to get them on. We're not bringing through photographers. So at what point, Lisa, would you advise your client if uh, plan A is taking, say, is it two weeks, 30 days? Or what period do you think to yourself? It may not necessarily be that it's been a failure. It might be that you had multiple offers, but you, yeah. as you said before, you're just not confident that it's the right offer. At what point is your your metric, if you like, mm-hmm. in terms of making that recommendation to evolve the campaign? It's, it's after a week. One week only. 
It's wow. quick. It's quick. So I often refer to social media as instant media. Yes. If I'm going to get traction on my socials, it's happening fast. Yes. Um, and then the database also happens quickly. Yes. So the minute I list a property, Michael, who deals with my, he's my buyer's agent, mm. is literally on the phone. We're doing within within getting an agreement. We might talk about timelines in a moment. Mm. Mm. The minute I've got an agreement and a contract of sale. Within one hour, mm. there will be social media content, video content. There will be um, a mass um, SMS out mm. to all of our buyers and there will be an email blast. It happens very, very quickly. So if I don't have an offer, if I have multiple offers and I feel that we can get more mm -hmm. by launching to plan B, mm. that's all happening in that first week. Wow. Now, I can run it for as long as the vendor would like. Yes. I can do it for a year if they would like. Yes. But the gold happens in the first week. Yeah. Yeah. So it may not necessarily sell within that time, but you, you, you may be um, faced with an offer that you, you believe in consultation with the vendor that that is the right offer and therefore proceed to, to, yep. to getting it sold. And also the buyers know, they know Lisa will get a property out onto her socials. It'll come out via her database. And if we don't move quickly, it's going to go out to realestate.com. Yeah. So there's that urgency there. So is that part of the dialogue with the buyers? So when you and Michael are talking to buyers, it's it's a standard approach where it's like this is the pre-market, as, as you call it. Yeah. Or instant media, as you call yep. it. Yeah. However, we do have it earmarked to potentially hit the main real estate portals if nothing happens in the Correct. next seven to ten days. That's so, right. And does that create urgency with buyers? It does. Mm. Yes, it definitely does. But in saying that, the flip side for a buyer, I mm. mean, the market's ever changing. You know, in a roaring hot market where there's not a lot of stock and we have an oversupply of buyers, mm. how much would you love to be served up a property mm. and all you've got to do is just put forward a great offer and you can potentially secure the property yes. as opposed to, well, if you don't want to do that right now, that's okay. We'll see you at an auction in three weeks' time. And... A lot of your properties don't actually end up at Plan B, do they? You were saying 70%. They don't. Yeah, yeah. huge amounts all prior. I, I mean, I've had properties, literally, I had a property that I had listed in Freshwater. It was about a year ago now. Mm. I had two there, actually. Mm. And um, I had done a, a video out the front of the property. I hadn't even done a walkthrough. Mm. I didn't have access into the property. I wasn't getting through until later on in the afternoon. Mm. Um, but sold the property in four hours. Wow. I literally had someone who'd seen it on, on my Facebook and um, had contacted me and said, where's this property? We're looking to buy on that street. And four hours later, we'd sold the property. Incredible. So you've built a huge database of, of SMS, email and social media followers. So that's effectively your buyer pool, if you like. And do you display that at the listing appointment or do you just explain it? Are you using many materials uh, or collateral at your listing appointments or just explaining the process? Um, so I have a, I've got a great proposal that gets yes. put together for me, which is, it's honestly, a, it's fabulous. It's probably on one iPad? of the best I've seen. Yeah. Not on an iPad. It's... I love hard copy stuff. Good. I Good. love it. Um, we do have soft copy versions, yes. obviously, yep. but I, I still like to use hard copy um, and it's a magazine style. Right. And uh, we just get straight to the point. Okay. Straight to the point. Speed and convenience. Right. So that that ma booklet or manual, if you like, 
what are the main agenda points that you're actually discussing? I mean, obviously speed and convenience, but is, is there any other content that you're actually dealing with? Um, so, those? you know, timelines is really important because yes. I like to move very quickly. Yes. I'll often have vendors say, how quickly can you get my property on the market? And it's mm-hmm. like, well, how, if you can get me a contract within a day, I'll have you on, on social media mm-hmm. that quickly. Um, so, you know, the things that vendors want to know is really, it's, you know, what's my property worth? How fast can you get me on the market? Yeah. Um, how much is marketing and what are your commissions? Yes. Okay. They're, they're the main you, points. Are you very fixed on your commission and in terms of what you've self-regulated at? Because obviously I remember when I first got into real estate, it was deregulated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was actually, sorry, regulated. So it was a fixed commission. Now it's deregulated. Um, do you have your own regulated fee that you that you put forward to a lot of clients? I offer a flexi fee. Right. So I give the fee to the vendor and I go, there it is. That's mm-hmm. the range. Pay me what you like within that range. I just ask you to take into account service and results. Excellent. Yeah. So that's, that's your approach for every listing? Every listing. Excellent. And you, you don't need to say what that range is, but that's, that's an interesting... So it's, it's a discretionary range. Mm-hmm. And just from a practical sense... So we write that range on the agency agreement mm-hmm. and then after the sale, I assume the owner puts in writing what, what they, do. they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so I'll contact them and just say, yeah. Adrian, mm-hmm. you know, I trust that you were happy with everything. I trust you were happy with the result. Yes. Could you please nominate the commission you'd like to pay me within the range we provided you with? And it's what... an interesting It's an interesting way mm. and you'd be surprised because a lot of vendors, when I'm mm. sitting in front of them at a listing presentation, mm. will say... Wouldn't vendors just opt for the bottom end of the mm, range, mm. you know? But if I'm getting you a result that far surpassed your expectations... Yeah. And service, you mentioned. And Ser- service. Keep in mind, service and result. That was a key, Absolutely. key takeaway. You know, um, then commission actually gets removed from the equation. Mm, People mm. don't care. It's like when you go to a great restaurant. Yes. You've had a wonderful experience. Yes. You tip accordingly. And what percentage, just approximately, yeah. would be at the top, middle and bottom of the range that people discretion from a discretion point of view decide to pay you? Um, I'd have to say 90% at the top. Wow. 5% in the middle and 5% at the bottom. Wow. And yeah. you found that you were sort of almost made to offer this because the bottom of the range is where your competitors are going in at. So effectively, you're, you're matching your competitors, but providing plenty of upside. And in your case, you're saying 90% potentially upside to actually prove yourself both in terms of the result and the service to get paid higher. Yeah. What, what I learned quite early on was that commission becomes irrelevant when you over-service people and you get them a great result. If I could rewind the whole situation and go from the end to the beginning, mm. I can guarantee you that vendors are saying, just tell us what commission we need to pay. Yes. You know, but we, people don't know me when I'm just sitting in front yes. of them in their lounge room. Yes. I'm sitting there and I'm saying, this is what I can do. This is what I have to offer. Yes. That's all they know. They may have done the digital interview on social media mm. and they've seen my results, mm. but as I said, if I could just flip the whole campaign around, mm. commission actually becomes irrelevant. And the reason I did the flexi was because I don't want to be chosen on commission. Yes. I'd like to be chosen on all the other things. Yes. Interesting. The best part about that, Lisa, is that it's 
not something that is a huge discussion point at the listing. It's like that's that's the range. You're in, in as the owner, you're actually in control of what you end up paying me. But it's certainly competitive because the bottom end of the range is competitive in terms of what the market is, and the top end yep. is is still probably competitive. But you're welcome to pay that as well. And it takes this awkward conversation mm. away, you know, because yep. I think it's probably every it's probably one of the hardest conversations agents need to have about commission. Yes, where a vendor's sitting in front of you saying, "Can you do a little bit better on that?" Mm. Mm. You know, mm. it's an awkward conversation. Yes. So it's like, I don't want to have this conversation with you. You pay me what you feel I'm worth. At the end, please just base it on service and results. Mm. I'd love you to choose me on all the other things, the properties that I've sold, um, what my other vendors have to say about me, my social media, um, all the other bits and pieces, just not on that. Excellent. So as we start to, to, to wrap up, Lisa, it'd be really interesting to get your view on work-life balance if you're a high-performing agent and also uh, an understanding of, of what sort of hours and days you would, you would typically work. Okay, I'm having a giggle because there yeah. is no work-life balance. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, what's right for me is not right for other people. Absolutely. At 51 years of age, it took me 51 years to work out that not everyone wants what I want. Mm-hmm. Success looks really different to everybody. For me, it's a personal challenge. It has nothing to do with commissions Mm -hmm. and GCI, nothing to do with it. It's a personal challenge. As I said, I I wanted to cut ground fast. It was a personal challenge for me. Um, The hours that I work, the day starts at about 5.30 in the morning and it finishes up at about 10.30 at night. You know, there's a lot of hours there. I'm constantly available to my vendors, to my team. Um, You know, I give a lot of time to them. The problem with that is that there is no work-life balance. Mm -hmm. And I would get to the end of a week and think, I literally have not sat around a dinner table with my kids. Mm -hmm. Um, This became a problem for me and for them, you know. So I started to put some not negotiables into place. And it was a game changer for me. Mm. And I highly recommend it. What were those, if you don't mind sharing? So the not negotiables were Tuesday night and Friday night, dinner at the table with the kids, no matter what. Because I wouldn't miss a listing presentation Mm. and Mm. I wouldn't miss an auction Mm. when it was in my diary. Mm. And so I just thought this is the way that I'm going to be able to do this, as crazy as it sounds, but Mm. it works. And it works for us. Good. Um, so Tuesdays, Fridays, no phones, two hours because I've got adult children mm-hmm. um, and that really works well. And Sundays, if we can, we like to do something together as a family, yes. breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it might be. But that traditionally would still be your day off though, Sunday? It, it is, yeah. yeah. Good, yeah. good. So Even though I walk around going, <laughs> you know, but yes. yes, it is, yeah. Look, I'm glad you're really honest about work-life balance being a bit of a misnomer because it's a paradox really, isn't it? I mean, I often talk about we should be calling it work-life harmony, meaning that you decide whatever chapter you are in your life and stage in your life, how you'd like to harmonise that. You know, if you'd like to make sacrifices for work, well, then there's other areas that are Mm -hmm. going to be affected. That's just the reality of it, okay? And there's only so many areas in our life, whether it's whether it's career, whether it's family, whether it's health, whether it's spirituality. So it's impossible for all of it to be balanced. It's just not going to work. But, you know, what your life looked like three years ago, 
was different and what it might look like in three years' time might be different. But at the moment, you still wake up every day, as you said, and do I love? And you ask yourself that rhetorical question: Do I love doing what I do? And while the answer is still yes, you're, you're going to keep doing it. And the day I wake up and the answer's no, yeah, it's probably over. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably over. But you know, as I said, not everyone wants what I want. Yes. Um, you know, I couldn't understand why am I working all these hours and people don't want to work the same amount of hours. Mm. Not everyone wants what I want. Everyone's on their own journey. Absolutely. And I'm totally respectful of that. I am. Um, But, you know, I have to say pretty much everyone in my team does work these crazy hours. Mm. We're all very aligned. Yes. Um, And that's, that's probably why it works so well. And do you believe that there is no shortcut, that if someone is committed to being a high-performing agent, that they, they will have to make sacrifices in other areas of their they life. That, that is just a reality and an objective truth in, in real estate. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. You do. You know, look, you, you've got to understand, Adrian, that if you want to holiday more because that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. expect that there's going to be some sort of a follow-on effect in yeah. your career. Um, there, there, there absolutely is, you know. And again, I mean, I haven't had a proper holiday in a really long time. Mm. There's definitely one on the agenda coming up at the end of the year. Mm. You know, you need to. The burnout is real. Um, And I think, you know, people do need to be extremely mindful of that. Mm. But you have got to put in the hard yards. As you said, there is no shortcut here. Mm. There's no shortcut to it. Have you burnt out or come close to burning out yet? Look, I'm... um, I'm mindful what of what I need to do to make sure that I can get up and be game on every day. I think a lot of people aren't maybe as tuned in. Mm-hmm. I know that I have got to sleep well. Yes. And if I don't sleep well, I can't function. Yes. That's it. That's my that's my um, medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got to sleep well, exercise, sleep well, and try and eat well if I can. Sounds boring, but I do like to have a drink every now and then. Um, but yeah, sleep for me is is the is the medicine that I need. And I remember speaking on stage with you um, about a year ago, and you were saying, correct me if I'm wrong, mm. that as part of your day, obviously previously in this interview you mentioned you're doing three to five appraisals or dollar productive mm-hmm. appointments, whether they're face to face or Zoom or phone or whatever, but also that you invest about three to four hours a day on social media as well. Tell us more about that and and what that involves. Yeah, everything. So constantly filming, constantly filming stuff. You know, I walked in here filming. Yes. Um, If you you will get in, you will will get out what you put in. That's anything in life. And so if you expect to get results out of your social media, you've got to put the hours in. So it's constantly filming content. I try and do as much live content as I can. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable in front of cameras. For those people that are watching that aren't, you can just do a pre-record. Sure. It's not going to give you the brownie points on social media, but it's better than doing nothing at all, you know, if that makes you feel more comfortable. But three hours is filming content, uploading content, answering inquiry. And you're literally filming and uploading and posting all yourself? All myself. And what are your thoughts around investing money in social media? Because obviously most of yours, if not all, sounds like it's it's authentic and Mm. and free content. But if an agent 
wanted to get traction quicker or wanted to take it to the next level or uh, it'd be I'm curious to see if you have done this at all and the two main areas are either sponsored ads or boosting through geotargeting yeah H- have you have you actually trialed those I, I love it I'm all for it yeah. I think it's the I, I think it's the cheapest form of marketing yes. money can buy I really mm-hmm. do. Northern Beaches, where I'm based, um, we used to have the Manly Daily Real Estate section Mm. and it became obsolete two Mm. years ago. Mm. Um, If you did not replace print media with something else, Mm. I think you should probably be a little bit nervous, Mm. you Mm. know. It's, as I said, it's the cheapest form of marketing money can buy. You've been in the real estate sector for a really long time. Do you remember how much the ads were in the... Newspaper? Yeah, thousands of dollars, yep. Imagine putting that behind social media. Mm, mm. And you don't need to to mm. get traction. Mm. A couple of hundred dollars once a week behind your posts is going to get you an enormous amount of eyeballs. I personally prefer the organic. I just do. I want to know the people that are following me, they want to be there. We'll get more out of each other. Do, do you put money behind some of your posts, though? Not often, no. Not often, okay. No. No, so when you say often. organic, then what metrics are you uh, monitoring? Like, obviously, comments, shares, likes, that's the main metrics at that point? Yeah. Because if it's organic, that's all you've got to play with. But when you're boosting, obviously, you can have a little bit more of a forensic look around where the person's come from yeah, and you know, a you lot can. of other factors. And as you said, you can literally geo-target. Mm. So, you know, you can find an area, and I usually say keep it to sort of, you know, a five-kilometre radius. You don't want to do any more than that yes. around the area that you work in. Um, but, you know, for me, look, I know I've been doing it long enough now. I know that my clients like to see the pre-market stuff. Yes. They want the goods and they want to see them first. That's what works. But I won't just do that on my socials. Mm. I'll put all sorts of stuff in there about what's going on with the industry. Yes. There's so much knowledge that we hold as real estate agents that mm-hmm. we just think is common knowledge to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know? What about personal or family content? Do you, are you posting much of that? I don't do a lot. Okay. I pop little bits and pieces in every now and then, but mm-hmm. I, I don't do a lot. I really, I do like to keep that part of my social media quite separate. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So what would be a tip to someone who's listening, whether they're an associate, an agent, or even in new business? So live video content, you know, is really important. Um, You will get brownie points from Facebook, Instagram, TikTok if you're doing the live stuff. If you can't bring yourself to do the live stuff, do the pre-record. It's better than doing nothing and then just upload it to all of your social media channels. That's number one. Number two, authenticity. It's a really big one. What do you mean by that? Be yourself. Okay. Be yourself. You know, that's nothing. We can't train people to be that. Um, Who I am here and who I am when those cameras aren't rolling, it's the same person, Adrian. Mm -hmm. You know, so be yourself. It's really, really important. Mm -hmm. Um, People respect you for the authenticity. And again, I can't tell you how many times I walk into a listing presentation and vendors say, I feel like I know you. Yes. Right? It's lovely. It's it's important. Um, And consistency. Consistency. That's the biggest thing. Daily. Yeah. Daily. And yeah. you're, you're posting, obviously, multiple times a day, but even if someone could cons- commit to daily, then, then that's, that would be a good definition yeah. of consistency to Look, start with. you don't need to be crazy like me and do yes. three to five hours a day. Yes. I put a lot in, but I get a lot out from yep. it. 
Um, if you can't manage that, just do 15 minutes a day. Yes. You know, do something that works for you, but do it consistently. Um, that's really important. Lisa, I've really enjoyed our conversation together. Likewise. I know we've known each other for a long time and yeah. it's been great to sit down. The last thing I always like to have my guests is uh, allow them to ask me any question for the benefit of the audience. I'd like to know, it's, a, it's great, I, I love that. Um, what do, now you've interviewed a lot of people, you've worked with a lot of agents. What's, what, what would be the biggest consistency that you would see with real estate agents that you train and that you deal with? The ones that perform really well are not necessarily the best negotiators or have the best gift of the gab. What I find the consistent traits are, are the ones that are very disciplined, mm. that have good energy, mm -mm. have a clear mindset and are very process driven because they, yeah, right. Interesting. Are, they right. are what I call innate traits because yeah. I can teach negotiation skills or product knowledge. Anyone can, mm -hmm. can learn that. But mindset, energy, discipline, process, that's something which is the foundation for any success, whether it's real estate or not, because product knowledge, uh, negotiation skills, scripts and dialogues, that, that can be quite acquired and that yeah. can be a taught skill set. So I'm looking for always the rougher diamonds because they're the ones that I've seen excel the most in real estate. Yeah, right. And I say rough diamonds respectfully. Um, even when you first started in real estate, you know, you just said your first video was was, was terrible. Yeah. You know? so, so, but I, I would imagine that the traits I've just explained there, mm. mindset, energy, discipline, process, mm -hmm. are consistent with, with, with you as well. Mm. And the other stuff, you know what? You just learned as you, as you went along. And now five years later, you're in top of your game. So I think that's a really good example. Yeah, I love that. And let's leave on a piece of advice. What's the one piece of advice you would give to someone, whether they're starting out, or they've been in the industry for a really long time, what would that be? I feel that if you're out of momentum, you've got to catch that very, very quickly because a bad day could lead to a bad week, which could lead to a bad month to a bad quarter. So mm. being out of momentum would involve probably not enjoying what you're doing anymore. Mm. You know, I think mm. if you're feeling off purpose and you're conducting activities which you're just not liking or not passionate about, I think you need to recalibrate and either build a team around you that can help you do those things so you can focus on your highest and best use, for example. Yeah. Um, and if you're just starting out, then obviously you're gonna to need to do a bit of everything, but gravitate towards what your sweet spot is and specialise in that and then find people around you, whether it's people in your office or whether people you've got to hire or whether it's people in other departments that can help elevate you in those other areas, mm -hmm. which may not be your sweetest spots in particular. And I think you've done a very good job of that, Lisa. Yeah, yourself. thank you, thank yeah. you. So there we go. Very so, good. Excellent, so again, we really appreciate your it's time. It's my pleasure, I've loved it's, it. It's, it's been great to give back to the industry. I know both of us have this altruistic attitude towards the industry where we love to give back. So listeners, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you.